Welcome to yet another episode of The Benefits Breakdown. I'm Vanessa Longnecker, and I'm here with... Hey, this is Jared Bokett. How's everyone doing? Uh, Jared, I'm fine, but I'm sure you weren't asking me. You were asking our lovely audience. Hey, it's Adam <laughs> Compton. Excited to uh, be with Vanessa and Jared today as we explore some fun topics on Fringe Benefits. Awesome, guys. Well, today is all things... Worksite evolution, right? We're talking about a pre and post pandemic state that has an all time high pressure on workforce retention and recruitment. Ultimately, we are seeing employers do crazy awesome things in response to an ever challenging workforce environment. What does that mean, right? We're expanding the boundaries, quite frankly, of traditional benefits and perks. How do we package that? How do we evolve together as a community and as an organization? Is that an all-time high topic of conversation, right? So recently, we did publish an article on fringe benefits and how they're playing a vital role in building a new, right, and evolving company culture for many today. And what that means to one workforce is very different to the next, and it truly highlights how and why employers are looking at bringing very meaningful benefits down to an individual consumer level. What does that mean, team? Let's kickstart the convo and and explore some topics with the audience today. You're exactly right, Vanessa. We've seen things evolve like in so many ways over the last 18 months, and benefits is no different. People are trying to focus on different and unique and innovative, but also very relevant ways that they can recruit and retain talent because we've seen people focus on things that are really meaningful to their employees, not just fluffy benefits that that maybe aren't as meaningful, but trying to find ways to offer real meaningful benefits that can have an impact on their employees' lives and help them improve uh, some of the struggles that have come from the pandemic. Absolutely. I'd say a biggest topic I've seen, right, and, and we've all seen, and certainly not been absent in the media, is flexibility, right? Quite frankly, we would be naive to ignore the concept of flexibility as a benefit for employers that they are touting to their teammates and their employees as we look to the future. Some environments enable flexibility in in very different ways than others, right? Industry-specific and alignment is prudent, but there's no denying the fact that talent in the marketplace are looking for and demanding new levels of flexibility as we look to the future. What are you seeing hearing? We're we're seeing a fun uh, uh, across all spectrums of clients. It's not our traditional white collar sitting in an office type of business. We're seeing everything down to the hospitality side of things where people are demanding higher wages, more flexibility. Even one restaurant client that we worked with, somebody was demanding coming in as uh, working in the kitchen saying, I, want, I don't want to work weekends. And I, we're thinking like, wow, that's that's a unique push to uh, the business that you're trying to enter. So we're, try- we're seeing that flexibility and, and, and think often challenge to the HR team of, of how they meet those people in the middle. And what's been fun to watch is not the, I guess maybe the putting of product in not the traditional insurance marketplace. We're not putting it with the traditional medical plan. We're finding really innovative partners out there that are kind of meeting people in the middle. It's been fun to see new, new, uh, new offerings really come out. I guess you're probably seeing the same with a lot of new marketplaces or new products in your client's pool of business. 
Yeah. Adam, to your point, right? Hospitality, one great example. We're seeing a lot of shift from, you know, do we anticipate hiring at the same degree of full-time workforce, Mm -hmm. right? Or are we going to have to staff with more part-time eligibility? And what can we do that's meaningful and attractive to that part-timer is equally important now in a whole new light to those as full-timers, right? So really looking at the terms of eligibility as a framework and more creative benefits that appease both audiences and can be customized, I think are very important lenses to be thinking about regardless of what industry you are operating in. Well, build on that too. In Los Angeles, where we're based out of that five years ago was an industry changer for them. There was a group of uh, restaurants specifically that said, we're not going to hire part-time as our our standard. We're going to hire full-time eligible. And that became the norm where now most restaurants and hospitalities, hotels, they're hiring full-time staff, which is great, but also creates this expense of, of health and welfare plans, which is growing and expanding. And we're seeing this build out of what was kind of medical dental vision to um, additional avenues for employees to really take advantage of those. So it's been fun to watch a challenge for employers because they're building this into, in many times, the price of chicken or adding it as a percentage onto a receipt. And um, it's been it's been an ongoing challenge, but good for the employees for sure. Vanessa, you mentioned something earlier. I think the overarching theme of our conversation today is going to be employers have had to be more flexible. Mm. How can they create flexibility within a lot of things that they're doing, whether it be the, the work environment, whether it be the work hours, as you're both talking about, the type of employees that they're hiring, um, that they're targeting to hire. It's that flexibility. This The pandemic has forced employers to change a lot of things they're doing clearly. And the way that they're recruiting talent is no different. I mean, let's just look at the work from home environment that everybody was forced to do. That showed that employers had to be flexible. And I think that got the ball rolling. And a stat that was in that article that I I really liked was 90% of employers reported no decline in productivity with remote work. I think that's allowing people to say, okay, this remote work is going to go on. It's going to continue in the future, not after the Hopefully this pandemic goes away at some point and we can get back to some sort of normalcy. Man, but I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I think that I think that environment of allowing employees to work from home, I mean, I think we as an organization have come to the conclusion that that's something we're going to be accepting of um, ongoing. At least it's going to be a local thing. I know most local um, leaders are going to be making that decision. But mm-hmm. I know here within the state of Texas, our plan is to continue that in some form, whether it's one or two days a week. Um, employees are going to be allowed to work from home. So we've had to be more flexible as yeah. a leadership in our own team. Love it. Love it. I think, you know, within our own walls and what we're hearing from many of our employers is how do we balance this new demand for flexibility with what makes us so great, our culture and how we innovate, right? And that's so near and dear to our hearts as an organization. And we hear those same themes from many, many employers of all industries, shapes and sizes. I think when we think about culture, another pressing topic really comes back to, right, A, you talk about how we've, we've, definitely morphed in new ways and accelerated paces. We've also adopted new technology, 
right, as a whole, broadly, as, a, as an economy, and to truly articulate and enable that work-from-home environment, it also shows that we anticipate some additional investments in technology to further ease that workforce dynamic as we look to the future. But another major theme we've seen with some of these shifts and balancing is what has this done to mental health? How mm. is that impacting our culture as we look to the future? Another big shining star on conversation these days, a ton of focus in a pre-pandemic space has only been accelerated in this post-pandemic environment and outlook. So how we support team members in this rising reported burnout pandemic space to help right them be the best they they can be is truly at the top, I think, of, of attention totem pole here for many, many employers, many making unique investments, doing really cool things in packaging all of their great resources that they already have and disseminating that information out to their team members, ensuring it's on the front lines with their forward-facing managers, whether that's, you know, any form of in-person or flex work environment that's enabling work from home is really important to think about all the different channels, right? So sometimes it's not just what you're doing that's different, but it's how you're packaging and messaging that what we're finding is also very different in this climate. Now, as it comes to mental health and the importance, right, continuing to rise on its its limelight, we are seeing many employers do some really creative things. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's investing in new technology, new platforms that can deliver mental health, right? Because because the, you know, mental health resources, because the demand is certainly outweighing much of the supply in many, many markets. But it's also getting into things like evaluating vacation and holiday hours, PTO policies, leave policies. How do we enforce, right, and ensure that our team members have balance? We're seeing some mainstream employers do some pretty progressive things when it comes to ensuring, right, that PTO balance is used, right? We saw many shift to that unlimited PTO policy. Well, have we seen a retraction and or are we enforcing that they're finding that balance as we've taken some of that liability off the books is another area of big focus. What else are you seeing in the world of mental health conversations with clients these days, team? I think we're seeing a big build out of the expansion of virtual care and telemedicine and, and behavioral health. I think we've historically, I'll pick on a large care that we had five years ago that went to a client and I think much with many of our clients, we've implemented no-cost telemedicine. That's been part of our, our world. And we've shifted that to a lot of times no-cost behavioral health because that's so important. And this carrier back then was like, oh, wow, you've been at 5 7 6% uh, annualized utilization. And now you're up to mid-30s with this great benefit. Nobody else does this. Nobody else does this. And, and now we've kind of seen that become the norm, not just on the you know your body, but also with how we can help support your mind. So that's become... Um, a norm. And it's been fun to actually work with our HR partners and see the feedback of people having access to what's kind of functionally a broken marketplace. And if anybody, uh, you know, personally with our, our family, we deal with some of that with some of the behavioral health and access to care is, is, is a challenge. Uh, particularly as we go back to school, we're seeing, particularly with COVID mandates, this, this huge challenge of access to good care. And I think if an employer can jump in and really uh, support that effort. They're really getting really great feedback and, and trust is built with that, that employee and their family. Well, for the longest time, I think employers really relied upon their EAP programs to be yeah. their mental health benefit that they're offering. And listen, I love EAP programs and they can really supply a good benefit to employees. 
but we've seen those become much, much more robust. And there's been a lot of carriers new to the marketplace uh, to provide specialty um, mental health benefits to employees. Um, One of the other things that we're seeing is whatever the benefit is offering, the key has been employers communicating those benefits to their employees, whether it's a zero cost telehealth for mental health or a specialty provider of mental health um, or a lot of the other benefits that are being offered. And it's the way that the employers communicate and get the easy access to find mental health providers within your medical benefit and communicating that to the employees and getting them access because that was always a challenge. Are they in network? Are they out of network? Um, we've even seen an emphasis from the Bukas of the world, your Blue United Signet Etnas, right? Where they're adding more mental health mm-hmm. providers into their network to provide access to the employees. So all of these things and then the way that the employer communicates them is really key so that people have access to care. Um, We've heard stories of employers communicating these benefits and then how it's really benefited the life of their employees um, and prevented some terrible things from potentially happening because people are getting access to these benefits. So I'm very excited to see this come about and a positive that's actually come from the pandemic is these benefits being communicated more. Vanessa, I love what you said too on building on that time off and the PTO policies or getting people out of the office. I think a successful thing that we've seen is almost forcing people to take time off. Um, and, and I pick on my daughter. One of my daughters loves Winnie the Pooh, which who doesn't, <laughs> who loves Winnie the Pooh is awesome. He eats honey. He's got <laughs> friends, you know, it's great. Adam, I, I would the, guess she was a big Winnie the Pooh fan for sure. It's amazing. But you know, Winnie the Pooh often says, you know, sometimes doing nothing can turn into the very best something. And it's that challenge when you can actually step away from your work, you can actually build this happiness and explore new things. And that's been a challenge even for our own teammates to when you're out of the office, you're, you're out of the office. Like we've got you. And much like our clients who challenge the same, like there's, there's redundancies and practices built in to support that. And if we can challenge our employers to really own that, even for those that are listening here, when you're out of the office, be out of the office because your mental health needs to be picked up and, and rebuilt. So that's a really, again, kids reference, but come on, again, who doesn't love Winnie the Pooh? Who Poo? doesn't love Winnie the Pooh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we also see that reinforced and really creative, right? Again, manager performance appraisals, right? How are they managing yeah. that is becoming part of their, right, their own reviews with each and every one of their mm-hmm. team members. We're seeing that as a growing theme as well from a performance evaluation profiling perspective. We're seeing employers that are doing certain incentives that allow for vacation bonus, right? So they get some form of additional paid time off or, right, dollars towards travel or uh, taking that break that they want to support. So again, building a culture that supports, right, those team members and or right attempts to provide a better balance is a big piece of daily conversation we're having with our clients today. And again, and when the war on talent is at an all-time high, this creates some interesting, right, conversations for many employers. I would say a lot of what we're talking about here, that flexible environment and or mental health support is also feeding new trends in what we're, we're seeing referred in the marketplace as lifestyle spending accounts or LSAs. If you are an employer listening here today and you haven't explored an LSA, it's absolutely probably one of the fastest growing trends we're seeing adopted by employers. And it gives that absolute degree of flexible perks back to the team member. 
Think of that age-old fringe benefit concept, but packaged with technology to properly deliver, administer, adjudicate, right, the taxable component where it applies or doesn't apply, and really seeing some phenomenal success. I would say we had tech clients lead the charge here pretty early on in the newest guidelines that allow for these LSAs. But what are they? I mean, ultimately, it's an account that employers can set aside certain buckets of funds for their team members to choose what's most meaningful to them. Those expenses that they want to seek reimbursement for under these LSAs could be a very wide variety of things. They could include monthly gym memberships, certain meal services delivered to their home, nutrition counseling, athletic wear, nutrition counseling, food supplements, life coaching, you name it, the list kind of goes on and on. They equally can support office, home office equipment. So, right, taking some of that administration component off of the employer plate and funneling it through this LSA, through a bucketed environment or an unbucketed environment, again, puts the dollars in front of where it might be most meaningful for that team member. Not sure what you're seeing out there in your markets, but this has been a fun one with really exciting results to date as well. I'm excited about these benefits as well. I mean, just selfishly and personally, listen, if I can get some of these dollars and can help pay for some of my wife's athletic wear that she buys, <laughs> that's a big win for me. I can so, think of a few athleisure uh, employer, you know, companies that would be happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, these dollars, if we can get them in this account beforehand, it just, yeah, I'll, I'll be that much further ahead. But no, really, these are benefits that I think can help diversify the way that people are getting access to what's most important to them. Well, meets it in the middle, right? It's right. It's too personal to them. And it everybody's so unique. And if it meets you with your, your athleisure wear or somebody with their home ergonomic setup, I mean, think of your office, right? You go to an office, somebody comes in and sets it up to help your ergonomic, your back, your how you're positioning. How are we sitting at home often? We've got our computer on our laptop. We're sitting in not a good way. And think about the other avenues of our business that that impacts. Oh my gosh, do we just have a workers' comp exposure potentially? Because right. we now have a back right. issue. Absolutely. I mean, we're worried about musculoskeletal and all-time high in the medical plan because people are working in less than ergonomically friendly environments at home. Right, warrants some added investment in that space. I think for the family support aspect that it builds in, could be child activities, it could be uh, online classes for extra tutoring that's needed. Uh, all of those are becoming that flexible piece that really yep. meets that person where they are. And I, that's what I love. It's not this traditional one thing for everybody. It allocates the dollars in a responsible manner, keeps it compliant, and then really delivers something that impacts somebody on a very personal level. Let's even tie the last conversation we were having about mental health and how these mm -hmm. dollars can be used to help with that, right? Maybe someone needs some meditation classes or yoga classes that help with them and getting a level set on their mind. And these types of dollars can be spent on those classes to go out and get access to that type of treatment. Because for many people, a meditation or yoga class is going to provide just what they need. Yeah. I mean, that creates a really interesting conversation. I mean, we had employers for many years under their population health strategies, and it's, it's great. They'd put in a use universal platform and assume that everyone wanted that particular mental health platform or that particular 
right, line of uh, gym reimbursements that may or may not support their local level needs. Now you've created a menu that members choose from. So versus having a 3 to 10% adoption rate on a universal platform, you can put 10 platforms out there. They pick and choose, right? They decide how to differentiate their dollars. Now, yes, you can still achieve economies of scale through bundled purchasing on many of these platforms. Is it the same, right, as a universal? No, but with a higher level of adoption rate, right, it's it's definitely changing the conversations and how employers are looking to make some of these investments. So right on, Jared. I mean, we are seeing these LSAs absolutely take kind of main stage conversations in mental health and population health conversations and investments for employers alike. I mean, ultimately, what it also dovetails is DEI initiatives, mm. right? We all know that's equally a hot topic. Benefits that support diversity, equity, inclusion. This is giving a universal, right, fundamental benefit, equity, right, back to an employer, an employee level to, in fact, use as they see fit. So it's creating some interesting conversations in all of those buckets and meaningful, right, results. Now, let's face it, guys, this is not one that should be taken lightly. It requires and demands an added layer of investment that many employers weren't doing in a legacy practice. How are they supporting that investment? How are they attributing that investment? In some cases, right, they have these platforms that they're reallocating the investment around. In others, they are truly new operating expenses that are changing the conversation and how they compete right? Attract and retain their talent. So again, it is new, it's evolving, and it'll be interesting to see where that takes things as we look to the horizon. Vanessa, as you mentioned that, one thing that I think has been interesting is these conversations with CFOs, because as soon as you say new dollars being spent, typically CFOs are like, nope, not going to happen. Sorry, we can't do that. But when you have the conversation with the CFOs, they really get it after what's gone on the last 18 months. They really get that this is an investment that needs to be made for their employees to be able to continue to increase the bottom line. So when you have the conversation like that, CFOs really get it. And it really makes financial sense to the bottom line for the employer. And so it's easier conversations for the HR teams who are pushing for these types of benefits typically than I thought they would be. And so that is to me is encouraging because CFOs understand that this is going to improve the bottom line. So HR people out there, you can't be afraid to push this to your CFO. They will get it. They'll understand (laughs) that this is going to ultimately help your company get to a a new place. And there's a growing amount, you know, amount of evidence that helps support that argument for those that struggle with it. I mean, it is, again, ever changing. And it, again, just highlights a topic that is moving the playing field, right? So employers that are very progressive in this space, right? How do we compete against those that, right, may not be is absolutely, right, going to play out in the ability to attract talent. So it's, if it's not for a given employer, it's not for a given employer, but it's important to understand what we're seeing in the marketplace and how we intend to compete or attract talent as we look to the future, alternative means, right? I think there are many, many, many creative ways to attract uh, and retain talent in this marketplace. It begins and ends with communicate, 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 whatever that value may be and wherever you wish to take your personal strategy as an organization. 
but that individualized attention support um, also is playing out in transparency tool sets and how we're arming team members to be successful in all mm-hmm. facets, right? Personally, financially, right? Through DEI initiatives, through different affinity groups as an organization, another big hot topic today, right? How we're supporting different diverse groups within a population and helping others recognize their needs and or desires and alignments to be the best we can be collectively, all equally important in this conversation. I think if, and to build on a separate podcast that we recorded on that, if you haven't listened to that one, when you're done here, go play that one. Because we all, I think the three of us stepped off that discussion and were just uh, impacted in a way that I, I, if we can personally share via a microphone here, then I feel that energy like that should be something we encourage for you as well, because that's very personal for all of us in the marketplace. Absolutely. We'd be remiss not to use the last few minutes here with our audience to also talk about a few other trends. I mean, we know that in the world of COVID, many added new four-legged friends to their families. So absolutely seeing some basic traditional benefits on the rise, right, in the form of voluntary and work site, what we refer to benefits. So not largely employer added investments, much, you know, very different in contrast to the LSA conversation, but easy and meaningful in a whole new way in this pandemic, post-pandemic state. So we laughed a few short years ago, many with the conversation of pet insurance, but let's face it, we have seen these policies evolve, the demand for them evolve, senior leadership, you know, desire for these for their population evolve as well alongside that. Just to give a quick example, we have a a large client with over 7,000 employees across the United States, and they had their CEO who stepped in and said, everything is running really, really well with their benefits. And usually the CEO is only concerned about dollars and cents when it comes to the benefits. But this CEO was really particular about pet insurance and wanted to make sure that we were offering pet insurance for this client, for their population. So she stepped in and and pushed their HR team and pushed us at Hayes to find a good quality pet insurance they could offer to their team. The HR team loved it so much, they started calling it the Beth Benefit because Beth is the name of the CEO. And so a company-wide, they know their pet insurance as the Beth Benefit. And it's been wildly exciting and accepted really well by their population. That's awesome. It's fun because, you know, pet insurance of today is different than it was before. Ultimately, right, it, it's intended, many of them, to cover up to 90% of the total cost, which those are big dollars on our new four-legged friend uh, dependents in the households at an alarmingly higher rate than we've seen pre-pandemic. So fun stuff for all there. Thanks for sharing that, Jared. Equally, you know, important to that, I would say we've seen a lot of focus on caretaker, caregiver benefits, right? Whether those are truly just transparency or tool sets to help people source or truly investments to help people support their growing demand or need for that in their work home life balance with this new crazy flex environment and in and out of school suppression that is still continuing in the marketplace. Maybe it's temporary, maybe it's long term but it is absolutely another big piece of current conversation. Well, you mentioned the caretaker benefit. We're the largest population in today's workforce is considered that sandwich generation, right? Where many are taking, helping to take care of their parents and taking care of their children at home. And so it can be a real time suck for people to try to manage that, to take care of their kids at home, but also find ways to help take care of their parents as needs arise. And so those caretaker benefits we've seen become more and more popular to actually offer a real benefit that 
finds and provides resources for people to find top care for their parents as well as for themselves. Yeah. On that whole continuum. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really been positive that they've been able to implement as well. Yeah. I mean, it can be from as basic as from, you know, helping employees navigate the Medicare space. You can no longer think of that as, hey, we need a Medicare advocacy channel for our team members because we have a growing number of teammates that may be approaching eligibility. You hit it on the head, Jared. It's more, how do we meet the needs across the entire continuum? We have the sandwich generation who is also tasked with navigating that on behalf of their parents, right? So that channel shouldn't be thought of as a silo, but truly a perk that can help people across that entire continuum equal to, right, a caretaker benefit across that entire continuum. Well, I think, and also just to challenge yourself to not just assume that's not going to fit because in your, your Beth benefit or whatever one that might come up, maybe you would have assumed that's not going to be the case. So the challenge to even our Hayes, Brown and Brown teammates to open up the marketplace to our clients and to clients have an open ear because you might assume it might not make sense, but hey, would a Medicare Advantage or advocacy program like Vanessa mentioned, although it might cost a few dollars, might that dramatically impact some of your employees? And to go back to that CFO conversation, could that small investment be paid back in dividends by the impact, both on a financial scale, but also to the impact of time? Let's face it, many of this research or work being done to support families, people are doing on the job. They're using that time to find answers. And if we can shave time off or minimize that, that impact, we just drove, drove up that productivity number again. So it all loops back together. Love it, team. We've certainly barely begun to scratch the surface on this fun conversation. It is evolving rapidly. What we anticipate seeing as we look to the future clearly is an increased demand and desire to be very creative when it comes to meeting team members where their needs are. That conversation is a fun one to be had. And if you're not having it in your local level organization, I encourage you to do so. Think outside that box. Be creative. Share your concepts and ideas with others and certainly engage your broker consultant partner in in some of this conversation and dialogue. We see a lot of fun things happening. We're excited for the future. Thank you all for tuning in today. We look forward to more fun ahead. Thank you for listening to The Benefits Breakdown. This episode, in combination with our previous episode, titled Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion is eligible for one SHRM credit. The code for SHRM credit is 22VT5D3. That's 22-V as in Victor, T as in Tango, 5D as in Delta, 3. This code expires after December 31st of 2022. So thanks again for listening and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And be sure to tune in to our next episode.